Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This is Gopher Football Sunday on KFAN, presented by Goldie's Locker Room, Carrie Limo, and by the Greater Twin Cities Honda Dealers. From the Gopher Football sidelines to the studio, here's the fans, Justin Guard. like win. I thought our guys were very focused all week. We knew we were playing a team that was playing for a lot and I thought our defense was absolutely dominant today. Six sacks, 11 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles, two interceptions uh, and, and we missed some other opportunities uh, that, that uh, you know we, we had out there to make but uh, you know I know PJ's building his program. I wish him nothing but the best of luck and uh, to he and his, his staff and uh, but I'm really proud of our football team. Six rushing touchdowns for the quarterback Thorson. He'll give to Bowser, waiting, and he tiptoes his way into the end zone and a touchdown for Northwestern. Here comes the blitz, and the ball is stripped, and it's scooped up by Gaziano, and Northwestern will have it at the 17-yard line. Beating Donnell Green off the left side. We mentioned Gaziano's been a handful. Bowser in the backfield, double tights, under center Thorson, handoff Bowser, and he barrels his way into the end zone, touchdown. The Wildcats now have a two-touchdown lead. They'll likely go for two here, I would think. You know, I started the week getting asked questions about our guys not being focused to play, and it was insulting. And uh, I'm going to be quite honest with you, it really pissed us off. And, and that's the way we approached it, and we're going to approach it again this week. Uh, this team, obviously, we got to get a lot better. we got three big games ahead of us, none bigger than next week. Uh, but uh, this group has been very focused and, and on the improvement mentality, uh, you know, really since the bye week. So very proud of our guys, especially our seniors, winning their last Big Ten road game. It'll be something that they'll never forget, and um, just very thankful for them. All right, there you go. That's Pat Fitzgerald. Welcome to Gopher Football Sunday here in the Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios. I'm Justin Gard. We are here until 8 o'clock. And if you're new to the program, before we turn it over to a lot of Vikings discussion on a Sunday, we like to carve out a little space for Golden Gopher Football. Some weeks it's more fun than others. Some weeks there's more invigorating things to discuss. Some weeks it's a little bit of a buzzkill. I would put this one in the middle today. The Gophers lose 24 to 14 to Northwestern. They fall to 5 and 6 on the year, 2 and 6 in the Big 10 with Wisconsin on the horizon. They lose their final home game of the season, their final game at TCF Bank Stadium, and now need a victory next week to extend the season and get into postseason play if you're into that thing and I am. And it comes against a Wisconsin Badgers team that may have found itself a little bit late 
in West Lafayette yesterday after being down two touchdowns in the second half, rallying to win. More on that later. Ryan Burns is going to join me at 8.15. We'll see how his Twitter mentions are today. Mine aren't the usual dumpster fire after a gopher victory, and I think some of that, or a gopher loss, I should say, and some of that I think has to do with the opponent, and some of it has to do with how the game kind of shook out, and I don't know, it's different when Illinois puts up 55 on you, or Maryland puts up a bunch of points, or Nebraska puts up a bunch of points. I'm not sure people quite know what to think of this game, and I think it's... um, I think that's the Northwestern part of it. We're going to discuss that as we go along. But if last week was the opportunistic edition of Gopher Football Sunday, I would say today is the missed opportunities edition. If last week was the exhilarating and fun edition, this one is the deflating edition of Gopher Football Sunday. And if last week was the chance to think ahead a little bit, which we all did, about what might be possible this season and the rest of the way, uh, this show will be the slap back to reality in yesterday's game was the slap back to reality. It was a day and a week that started with a lot of promise and a lot of optimism, I would say, basically almost immediately after the game last week, once the original betting line came out that the Gophers were two-and-a-half point to three-point underdogs, um, things changed rather quickly. He started thinking about the Gophers' defensive woes, how they appeared to be solved, if only for a week, against Purdue. A lot of things improved from the uh, the week before. The offense, as we've talked about all season long, was continuing to grow, continuing to develop. Signs of uh, things where things could go were showing up. And Northwestern, universally, maybe even today still, I don't know, was thought of with skepticism. By the time the game started, the Gophers had gone all the way from that three-point underdog I talked about to a three-point favorite. I don't know where it closed, but I know yesterday morning, the Gophers were three-point favorites. People were believing, people were picking the Gophers in the media, but too many mistakes, too many missed opportunities, and for a 14th time in the last 15 games, the team is sitting here on a Sunday morning wondering how Northwestern did it to them again. Northwestern is now 14-1 and in their last 15. They've won 11 straight games against Western competition. I think that was their eighth straight conference victory on the road. And we're all trying to figure out how exactly it happens because they don't wow you with anything. They don't out-athlete you. They don't do a bunch of trick plays. I just feel like they're opportunistic and they're waiting for you to make mistakes. And the Gophers had way, 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 way too many of them yesterday. You want to go down the missed opportunities here quickly before we hear from P.J. Fleck? Go for second drive of the game. They get the ball to start at their own 43 Pass to Tyler Johnson, 14 yards. Rashad Bateman, one of his drops the next play. Then he comes back and catches the next one for 16 yards. The Gophers have the ball first and 10 at Northwestern's 27. Tanner Morgan tries to throw it to Bateman. It doesn't look like Bateman knows the ball is coming. It gets tipped. It hangs out on Bateman's shoulder for a while. It's intercepted by linebacker Nate Hall. Mistake number one. At minimum, you like to think you're at least attempting a field goal in that situation at some point on that drive. At the Northwestern 27 with first and 10, you come back with nothing. Mistake number two basically led to Northwestern's first touchdown. First and 10 from their own 32, talking about the Gophers. Tanner Morgan doesn't see Nate Hall, throws a pass to the right side, easy interception at the Gopher 45 yard line. One, two, three, four, five plays later, Northwestern's up 7 0. Can't happen against Northwestern. That's what they do. They wait for you to make a mistake. They capitalize on that mistake. You go to the second quarter. Gophers are still down 7-0 at this point. Third and, uh, or fourth and one at Northwestern's 26. P.J. Fleck decides to go for it. 
I was 100% on board with that. They've gone for it a lot this year. They've got Seth Green. They've got the Wildcat. They've got Mo Ibrahim. I'm all for going for it there. Northwestern, funny. Nate Hall, again, finds himself in the backfield, drags Seth Green down pretty easily. It was no gain. I think even he may have lost a yard or two, but there's another missed opportunity where you're in Northwestern territory, basically almost in the red zone or the green zone, whatever you want to call it, you come away with zero points. You do a nice job pinning Northwestern in their own territory. Um, Actually, you do a nice job of stopping Northwestern, I should say, on a a fourth down play when they go for it. Blake Cashman has a big-time sack, gives you an extra 14 yards or whatever. You start at your own 38. You get the ball all the way down. You score. You tie the game with about a minute or so before halftime. Um, A couple of of minutes before halftime, 7-7, you give up a big kickoff return. Defense turns in their worst performance of the the day on that drive, and you're down 13-7 going into the half. Those are the types of things you can't do. The mistakes, the turnovers, the special teams play, the easy touchdown before halftime. You add all of those up, it's 24-14 Northwestern, and you're looking at it as a uh, missed opportunity. Kind of what the head coach said in the post-game interview with me afterward. Uh, we didn't deserve to win the football game. Uh, we knew that we'd have to play almost close to perfect playing that team. Uh, there's a reason why they're 7-1 in the league, and they beat everybody in the league. They don't beat themselves, and just like today, they didn't, they didn't make any mistakes. Like I, I think I told you, they're like Iceman from Top Gun. He's just cool as ice. They, they don't make any mistakes. They force you into some really tough situations. They're very sound defensively um, and make you execute almost a perfect game, and uh, we didn't tonight, 24-14. Uh, uh, I told our team in there there was a bunch of place you know we miss a fourth and one we miss a field goal we have a sack fumble um cover two we, we don't get there um and um you know and, and that's how you, that's how you lose games against them it, it comes down to four or five plays but that's how they've won all year and you got to give them credit that's their style of football that's their culture and uh, that's why they're big 10 west champs what was your hope offensively today or what was your approach and where did you come up short there well, I, I think we didn't make enough plays. You know, we knew we'd have to make some plays, contested plays. Um, we knew it would be very tough running the football versus them with the extra men in the box. Um, and plus, they're they're so good up front, and uh, we struggled blocking them at times in pass protection and then the run game. Um, and they tackle so well, you know. And so um, we just didn't we didn't execute well enough, and um, we didn't pitch and catch well enough. You know, we turned the ball over. Um, uh, right away, twice, two interceptions, um, and then we have a sack fumble. So when you, when you turn the ball over three times against Northwestern, you're not going to win that football game usually. It seems like they have an unbelievable knack. You go down and tie it up at seven, work hard to get the touchdown, big kick return, they score, go into halftime with the lead, give them a couple of third down situations when you need to stop. They convert both of them after you guys have been pretty good on third down all day. Is that what you've seen from them pretty much all season long? Yeah, they, they eventually make a big play. Uh, I thought they made three huge plays. You know, they had two two third down conversions and then they hit the big cover two in the hole and that was really it I and mean, the explosive plays were limited again I thought we played really well on defense in terms of we swarmed uh, tackled well they were put in really tough positions I mean they're putting really two big tough positions that come away with touchdowns if not I mean you're talking 10 points of uh, really what they gave up and so um you know, I thought that you know we didn't we didn't do a good enough job on offense today. We didn't execute well enough. Didn't play well enough. Didn't protect well enough. Um, and you got to give them a lot of credit because they're part of the reason why that happens. And they're really really talented.
a group of seniors played their last game at TCF Bank Stadium today. What are you going to take away from this group or remember about this group? Oh, they've been through a lot. You know, their third head coach, a lot of them. That's very difficult to go through, the resiliency, the buy-in, um, being able to stay. And I, I told them that, you know, they're, they're the foundation. They're, they're the piece that lays a foundation to, to what we do in the future. And, you know, I think every one of them understands this is a very, very bright future for Gopher football. And I, I've told every single one of them, I wish they were freshmen. Uh, I wish I had them for four years and was able to spend that much time with them. But you got to take your hat off to all of our seniors. Uh, they're incredible people. Um, they're going to be incredible human beings. They're going to be incredible husbands, fathers, because they've been through so much. They've been through a lot of adversity, a lot of success. I've had a ton of moments, especially here at CC at Bank Stadium. So uh, we got one we left to really enjoy that. And then um, we got half to Madison. 20 tackles for Blake today. That's a gopher record in this stadium. What has been working for him the last couple of weeks? He obviously played great again last week. Well, I think he's just playing really fast. You know, we're not overloading him. You know, I thought in the middle of the year we were overloading him, you know, and that's why we made the change. And, um, you know, he's been able to play really fast, trust the people to do their jobs around him. And, um, you know, I thought Joe Rossi put, a good, put together a great game plan to be, put him in position to make the plays that he did. And Blake's just, we're going to miss him a lot. You know, he's a tremendous football player. I'm, I'm glad we get at least one game with him. Uh, hopefully we can get some more after that. But, um, you know, he's just, that's Blake Cashman. I mean, from a walk-on to 20 tackles in his last game at TCF Bank Stadium, uh, he's a special young man and he has his own nonprofit. And he's just, he deserves everything he gets here. He's earned everything. That's P.J. Fleck after the Gophers lose 24-14 to to Northwestern. They fall to 5-6 and six on the season, 2-6 and six in the Big Ten, and need a victory next week in Camp Randall against the Wisconsin Badgers to extend their season one more game and get to bowl eligibility with a trip probably after Christmas somewhere. Uh, the biggest story of the game, if I haven't gotten to it uh, in the first segment here before we talk to Ryan Burns, uh, defense did enough to win the game in my opinion. Obviously they want to have that last drive before halftime back where it was a pretty easy touchdown for Northwestern after the uh, the long kickoff return after the Gophers had tied the score up at 7. If you're going in 7-7 seven, seven, uh, against Northwestern, you're feeling a lot better about your situation given that the offense had done very little up until that point. I think they already had two turnovers. Uh, they already had some miscues. They may have already had that fourth and one that I mentioned that they don't end up getting. You can't go into, and it's been a problem. We've talked about it kind of all season long. You go into enemy territory, so to speak. You get the ball to inside the 30-ish yard line, and you come away with um, you know zero points in four of those particular possessions. Northwestern's red zone defense has been good all year, but I don't put all of that on Northwestern's red zone defense. It was some self-inflicted wounds. It was some bad decisions. It was some conservative play calling after they've been aggressive, it seems like, all season long. Uh, it just felt like they felt like they needed to be too perfect. And against Northwestern, I feel like that can be self-fulfilling. I feel like you look at uh, what happens to them in the non-conference season compared to what happens to them in Big Ten play, and they've won 14 out of 15. you got to give them credit. But I've seen too many of these games where it's almost like everybody gets so wound up because Northwestern is really well coached, and they're always going to be in the right spot, and they're never going to make a mistake, and we have to play perfect. It kind of fulfills itself, I feel like, because you tense up a little bit. You get nervous. You don't pull the trigger like you ordinarily would. Northwestern had four of their top five secondary members out yesterday. Their defensive line was intact. Their defensive line is very good. Their D-line gave the Gophers trouble all day. It was not the offensive line's best day after a very good week last week against Purdue. But I feel like let's take some chances there. Let's test them a little bit. Let's not allow Northwestern to dictate how things are going to go. And when you, you kind of do on third and shorts and fourth and shorts, just kind of play into their hands and uh, run the ball up against that front seven and those good linebackers, 
Um, I feel like it becomes self-fulfilling for some of these Big Ten teams because they have so much respect for Northwestern, whereas the non-conference teams just come in and say, bleep it, we don't care. We're not supposed to win. We're going to go for it. We're going to try. We're going to be aggressive. The Gophers' offensive have been aggressive pretty much all season long, and they have been rewarded for being aggressive pretty much all season long. So I would have liked to see a little bit more aggressiveness at times yesterday given Northwestern's limitations uh, defensively, specifically in the backfield, and just, uh, you know, how how stout they are uh, up front. Challenge them a little bit. Uh, make them make plays uh, as opposed to just waiting, letting you wait back to make mistakes because eventually you are going to make mistakes. That's what they want you to do. That's their game plan. That's what happened yesterday. Just getting going here on Gopher Football Sunday. The Gophers lose 24-14. We'll have time for calls and tweets and emails a little bit later in the show before Barrero takes over for Sunday Sermons at 9. When we come back, our weekly visit with Ryan Burns from gopherillustrated.com. You're listening to the fan. Back to the Brian Heaton and Cooling Studios. Go for football Sunday here on the fan. Brought to you by our friends at Carrie Limo, Goldie's Locker Room, and of course, your Twin Cities Honda dealers. Joining us now on the Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract Hotline is our good buddy from GopherIllustrated.com, Ryan Burns. You can follow him at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. I know a lot of you take advantage of that. Burnsy, my mentions weren't... We, I like to do a mentions check every single Sunday uh, in terms of Twitter stuff. My mentions weren't an absolute dumpster fire yesterday. What were yours like? Mine were a little bit better. I mean, this isn't Illinois level. We're yeah. not talking about the elation that we saw in the Purdue win, but it was, uh, man, the offense sucks now. Everybody <laughs> thinks the offense is terrible. Uh, I had a guy just tweet me two minutes ago saying, should we let Kirk Sharaka go? Wow. Uh, and uh, how quickly folks can forget uh, how, how well this offense had been playing. And they ran into a Northwestern team that, you mentioned just doesn't make any mistakes, even without key members of their defense. And now here we are. Now here we are. Yeah, I think it's the mentions are, were muted for me, I think, mostly just because I don't think people really know what to say. I don't think they know what to do because you're watching that game and nothing's really happening. It's a boring game. It's not an interesting game. You're, you're kind of on the grind all day. And so it's just it was kind of a typical Northwestern game, but it's the frustrating part, Burnsy, is I did not see that kind of regression from the offense given where it had been building, given some of the things that it had done. And I'm trying to figure out to what we credit that, I guess, regression because that was one of the worst offensive performances they've had in, I don't know, a month, five weeks, six weeks, whatever it was. Really, even going back to the start of maybe the Nebraska game, once Tanner Morgan went in, the offense kind of got going there after that. What do you attribute the struggles to? You absolutely have to give Northwestern some credit here. This is a team that you mentioned in the opening has now won 14 of their last 15 Big Ten games. I think if you're ever going to beat Northwestern right now, especially in recent memory, you're going to have to do it in that early October time period because somehow the Big Ten West champions gave up 38 points at home to a mediocre Akron team, yet now here they are in three of their last five games they've beaten they've beaten. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and uh, it's frankly not been particularly that close. And this is just a Northwestern defense that continues to do what they do. Very fundamentally sound. Everybody knows their role. 
well, this Minnesota offense finally played like they have eight underclassmen starting. And unfortunately for Minnesota, Tanner Morgan didn't have a great particularly, you know, didn't play particularly sharp. You saw that first interception where he leads Rashad Bateman on a slant too far. It deflects off three guys, sits on the back of a Northwestern guy's helmet for about two seconds, and then is eventually picked off. The second interception was just egregious. It was just a terrible throw. Right. No idea how Tanner Morgan didn't see the linebacker, Nate Hall, there dropping into zone the entire time, considering Morgan took the snap, immediately locked on to Tyler, and Tyler was never open. Even if the linebacker was there, the defensive back behind him was right on him. And you can't give Northwestern the ball on short fields like that. That's not how this works. That's not how you beat a Big Ten West champion who's coming in white hot. So as Northwestern continues to do what they do, continue to limit points, Minnesota gave them too many opportunities, and this Minnesota offense as well. Anytime you have four different drives going to Northwestern territory and you don't end up with a single point out of them, you don't deserve to win. Yeah, that's a theme of the whole season, right? I mean, we've t- I remember Shiraka has talked a lot about that in his Wednesday media briefings. I mean, there was a stretch. I want to say it was you know Ohio State and either the game before or after that where it was like 10 or 11 times the Gophers were inside their opponent's 30, 35-yard line somewhere in there and came away with zero points. Is there a theme or a trend in all of those drives? Because they're moving the ball well. They're, they're manufacturing yards. Just as Shiraka says, when it's money time, when you're there to get the points, they're not able to do it consistently enough. What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a great thought considering that's exactly what I was thinking it was, whether it was that game just before Ohio State, just after Ohio State. But that Ohio State game was another great example of this where Minnesota's down a couple scores, and now some of this is Minnesota's trying to force things, knowing that they're going to need seven instead of three if they're going to win the game. That's where you get a couple of these turnover on downs. But in that same respect, I mean, you still have one of the Tanner Morgan interceptions. You still have a missed field goal. You still have, you know, P.J. Fleck deciding to go for it on fourth and short in the, in the I believe it was, the second quarter on the Northwestern 26. Yep. Yet in the third quarter, you decide to kick a field goal from essentially the same spot, and neither, was, you know, neither drive ends in points. You can't have that happen one way or the other. So with this offense, I just think it's growing pains because – Eight of the 11 are underclassmen, and I just I hate saying that excuse because I don't think it's necessarily an excuse. It's the reality. But especially when a guy like Donnell Green yesterday, who didn't look nearly like himself, he was clearly extremely hampered. Right. Clearly was dealing something at left tackle, and that's where you saw that strip sack fumble where the Northwestern defensive lineman can just literally strong-arm him into the backfield, and it's one Mississippi two, and Tanner tries to unload it, and he gets strip sacked. It's just an offense that is going to have these growing pains until they can figure out consistency from the quarterback position, whether it's his reads in the passing game or whether it's his reads in the read option where you'd like to see him keep here a couple more times a game just to keep the defense honest. Rashad Bateman had some key drops yesterday again. Uh, turns out after the game he was playing through the flu so while he would have loved to have had a Michael Jordan flu game, <laughs> uh, the true freshman there didn't exactly have the greatest of games. And then this offensive line went against a Northwestern front that was a little bit different than what they saw last week against Purdue. So I think it's a culmination of different things that have have played into the woes that you saw yesterday. But the reality is you can't beat a Big Ten West champion if you have four different drives that result in zero points in their territory. I mean, think how different the game is if Minnesota just gets 10 points there. We're talking about a game that ends up 
as a 10-point loss. It would have been much, much closer. I mean, I was thinking sitting into halftime, Minnesota gets that drive where they uh, tie the game with just three minutes left. I'm sitting here thinking, you're about minus four in the take-give right now, yet you're tied going into halftime against a Big Ten West champion. I mean, you have no business winning this game. And then Northwestern made sure in the second half Minnesota had no business winning this game. But it's just missed opportunities. And you're hoping that it's an offense that can grow from them. Ryan Burns, GopherIllustrated.com, joining me on the fan. This is Gopher Football Sunday, Sunday Sermons with Barrero coming up at the top of the hour, two-hour edition there. What do you think? Do you think they're considering going back to Anikstad at some point here? Is it too late in the season to go back? Has has Tanner done enough to earn another start? I've gotten that a lot here in the last day or two because obviously Tanner threw a couple of interceptions yesterday. Um, Zach was the starter before he got hurt. As far as we know, he's healthy now. I know he's been practicing a lot. Do you have an opinion on what they might do or what they should do, if it's even a consideration? I know that uh, it's, it's a lot of different fans' opinion that they should see Zach now. My question is, I don't know if Tanner Morgan's arm is healthy because yesterday watching that game live and then watching it back last night, there were a lot of balls from Tanner Morgan. They just sat floating. there. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if it was his, you know, if his arm was cold, if it was just the cold temperatures, or or if he's actually dealing with something. But there were too many of those passes yesterday that just were hanging there, waiting for somebody to come get him. And for the second time, right before half, Tanner Morgan tries to throw it deep, and he doesn't. I don't know if he has the arm strength not to do it, but Minnesota doesn't even get to the ball to the end zone again. It's the second straight time before half for Tanner Morgan where. Minnesota's got to throw it to the end zone or else the drive's just going to end. I mean, it's a Hail Mary right before half. You either get points or you don't. And the ball flutters 30, 35, 40 yards and then just, just dies. So I don't know what's going on with Tanner Morgan's arm because there were at times in the second half where I was like, okay, he's, his arm looks fine. So why were some of these balls significantly floating, some of them not? But Tanner's just, it's the same issues that Zach was having. You know, whether it is staring down your receiver, you got to at least look him off a bit, not keeping always in the read option, even though Tanner has much better, is a much more mobile quarterback. But I think PJ Flex got a decision ahead of him because I don't think, particularly in the last couple of weeks here, that, or the last few weeks, that you've seen two mediocre to average performances from Tanner Morgan. You've seen one good one against Purdue, uh, where if, Drops weren't a thing. Tanner would have been much, much better in terms of his stat line. So it's going to be interesting because I think this Wisconsin team that Minnesota is going to face this weekend is as average of a Wisconsin team as Minnesota has faced this decade, especially if Alex Hornibrook isn't going to be the quarterback. Now, I know that this Wisconsin team just beat Barrero's Brom squad <laughs> in three overtimes last night, but I don't think you can tremendously count on you know Wisconsin coming <laughs> coming 14, uh, from down 14 points in the fourth quarter, and then Jonathan Taylor ends up having a Heisman performance for 330 yards and three scores. The reality is for that Wisconsin team is their quarterback is very, very tentative to push the ball down the field. Their passing game weapons aren't nearly what Minnesota's are. Now, do they obviously have an edge with their running back and their offensive line? Yes, but their defense has been as injury-riddled as Minnesota's has been. And I think it's going to be a very interesting predicament when Minnesota goes in there because it's the second straight week now that Minnesota's been able to stop the run. Isaiah Bowser, yeah, he had a couple of touchdowns on short yardage situations, but he still had 29 carries for under 80, uh, under 90 yards. I mean, you're holding a guy under three yards a carry that had been averaging 
120 yards a game in his last four. So it is, it's going to be interesting because this, this offense has to rebound because this offense had scored 28-plus points in five of their last six games. They had been averaging 35 points a game at home in Big Ten play. Now they kind of have went down into one of those gullies. Are they going to be able to come up from that against a Wisconsin defense that can give up yards? And the question is going to be, can this Minnesota offense again get into enemy territory and have those resultant points? One of the bright spots offensively yesterday was Mo Ibrahim. He's playing by necessity. We know that. Um, Shannon Brooks is out. Rodney Smith is out. He was supposed to be maybe their third or fourth. I mean, early on in the year when he was injured, Bryce Williams was getting the bulk, the lion's share of the carries. What do you remember about him as a recruit or the recruiting process or what was expected of him when uh, he signed up to be a gopher? I don't know that there's a player that I've seen improve as much and as quickly as Mo Ibrahim has from fall camp this year to where he's at right now. I think he's a completely different player. When you look at him coming out of high school, he didn't have a ton of options. He had a lot of offers that he gained early in his high school career as sophomore and junior, and then as things came around to being a senior to where he actually needed to make a decision. When P.J. Flex eventually was hired, he calls Mo Ibrahim, says, hey, you got a University of Minnesota offer. What do you want to do? Mo takes it immediately, and now he's here. I mean, a kid that didn't have a lot of expectations, a kid that I wasn't expecting a whole lot from, especially with Rodney and Shannon. Uh, I thought that in fall camp, Bryce Williams was looking like a better back. But this version of Mo Ibrahim that we've seen is a guy that, wants to run you over, he's just a little bowling ball, and he can just keep his legs churning to get that extra yardage that has been so vital for this Minnesota offense to continue to make things going. And, again, I'll continue to say it. I don't think there's a player that's more improved now. He's still just the one-cut north-south back that doesn't have that deep speed. But for him to be able to continue to run through an arm tackle and get going, get north and south, you saw in that long 31-yard run yesterday that, he's able to pick up a guy at the 12 and drag him all the way down until the one-yard line, even though he doesn't have that 6'1", 240 frame. He's got that 5'9", 215 frame, and he's able to keep those legs churning, and I think he's been a very important cog to this Minnesota offense. What did you see defensively yesterday? I thought they did enough to win the game. They're obviously going to want to have the, the touchdown right before halftime back, the long kick return, and then really an easy drive for Northwestern, including a super easy touchdown by uh, Clayton Thorson, uh, another running touchdown for him. He's got a bunch of them this year. Other than that, I feel like they did enough to win the game, you know? I feel like we've had this conversation a time or two before, maybe from 2014 to yeah. 2017. That's what it felt like, it, honestly. It felt like a throwback. You're, you're 100% right. It's It was a, a game plan from Joe Rossi that I thought Minnesota, again, executed beautifully. I mean, you saw Minnesota go from 4-3, then you saw them mix in some sub-packages of 3-4. I mean, there were times where Minnesota goes 3-4, Northwestern's clearly not ready for it, and Minnesota gets a couple of stops, and second and third down, they get off the field. You limited Northwestern to 5 of 14 on third and fourth down combined on the day. That should be a recipe for success. I mean, would, in an ideal world, would you have liked to see this go for defense force a turnover at some point yesterday, knowing that They've struggled to do so for the most part during Big Ten play. They only have 10 turnovers and I believe, seven, eight Big Ten games now. And with the, off- with the way the offense was playing as well, you would have wanted to see them potentially give them a spark. But, I mean, Blake Cashman was everywhere. I mean, 
it's not like it was one of these games where you look at the stat line at the end of the game, you're like, really? Blake Cashman had 20 total tackles? It didn't feel like that. It certainly felt like that, considering yeah. Blake Cashman, every time you looked up, was on the ball, making a play. And I don't know that anybody else has helped their NFL draft stock more than Blake Cashman. Now, I'm not saying Blake Cashman, I'm expecting him to go in the top 100 picks, but I still think he's looking at now at like a fifth, sixth round draft pick potentially with the way that you've been able to see him play the last couple of weeks. That's what Blake Cashman does. When you have him very simplified saying, do either option A or option B, this is what happens. You get 20 total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss and a sack. He's a kid that just plays with his hair on fire when things are very simplified for him. I thought that Chris Williamson for the third straight game played exceptionally well. You saw him make a great read where he was covering the tight end. saw the tight end was staying in the block. He just dips and rips around him and then gets on Clayton Thorson for the sack. It wasn't like it was a designed, in my opinion, designed cornerback blitz. It was just him making a read, him making a play. And that's a huge part for this go for secondary to build around where there's so many question marks back there going into 2019 still. And to have Chris Williamson be coming back as a senior, I mean, I, I think that's a big thing to be building around for the spring. But you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this was a defense that deserved a win yesterday, but it was an offense that couldn't help them out with those four empty possessions in NU territory. It is what it is as Minnesota for, uh, again, I just keep coming back to, I feel like this is a 2015 Mitch Leidner and Tracy Clay's defense conversation. Yeah. But, it, you know, how crazy things have turned here in the last three weeks where, I mean, 430 rushing yards and 650 total yards to an Illinois team. Now we're talking about holding for the second straight week a, a running offense under 100 yards. I mean, at least with Joe Rossi, I think he's making a case to where if Minnesota continues to play this well, I think he should be at least on that final list for that defensive coordinator position. Illinois, by the way, losing that 63-0 to zero yesterday against Iowa uh, at home in the House of Not Pain, great. in Memorial Stadium. That loss continuing to be uh, as perplexing as maybe any that we've seen here in a while. And then that might be, you know, that's the one that if they don't beat Wisconsin next week is the one you're going to look at and go, what the hell happened there? Although, silver lining, it was the final nail that P.J. needed to make a change defensively because something did need to change, whether it was staff, whatever. We talked about it th- that morning after. Um, maybe you you lose the battle uh, to Illinois, but you win the war in terms of something changing defensively because they've been, like you said, pretty good the last couple of weeks. And you can actually see, for as much as we've talked about all year, where the offense could potentially go here in a year or two with guys like Williamson, with Keandre Thomas playing again, even with Coney. You know, I think Coney, as he continues to get healthier, has had moments where he's played well. You could at least see some pieces, including Carter Coughlin and, and Barber and everybody that they can build around here as they continue to recruit defensively. I agree. And where you look at where Minnesota needs to improve the most for next year, it's on that defensive line for everybody not named Carter Coughlin. And that's where P.J. Fleck is addressing that with two junior college guys that have seen their stock blow up here again of late, where one being uh, Keontae Shad, someone that just picked up an Oklahoma offer here last week, and Minnesota's going to have to fight to make sure he signs. But you get these kind of instant impact, in theory, junior college players and a couple of high school players to where I think they can come in and potentially give you something on the interior of that defensive line as well. And if you're able to generate pressure with just four defensive linemen and and teams can't just focus on Carter Coughlin, that's where you can say, like, you look at this defense, yes, it loses Blake Cashman, 
but you still have Thomas Barber and Kamal Martin coming back as seniors. In the secondary, Minnesota's going to have to figure out uh, what they're going to be doing when uh, at that other safety spot, not named Antoine Winfield, when hopefully he's back here for 2019. But you, you mentioned it, Keandre Thomas, Chris Williamson, uh, Terrell Smith, when he's healthy, he was out yesterday with that lower leg injury that P.J. Fleck talked about. You had Antoine Winfield hopefully back healthy. And then it's going to be, who do you want there at that final safety spot? Do you want Benny Sapp? Do you want Jordan Howden? And then whichever uh, 2019 recruit coming in, potentially a four-star by the name of Tyler Newbin. I mean, where do you want to go there? So I still think there's some pieces defensively. You've been able to see Joe Rossi get the most out of them. Now you want to see them do it again, holding Wisconsin to under 20, 24 points next week. But there are pieces on defense. I mean, it's just that Rob Smith, you mentioned it, didn't uh, didn't always figure out the best way to, to allocate them and put them in the right spots. And, you know, for that Illinois game, yes, it's, you know, if Minnesota loses next week, which Minnesota hasn't won in Madison since 1994. Right. And you're going to draw back saying, well, yeah, the bowl game, we lost to Illinois. We didn't deserve to go to a bowl game. I think it's a great analogy that you use. Yeah, Minnesota lost the battle to Illinois, but they won the war getting Rob Smith the heck out of here. And uh, I think that's enough solace in itself. Let's uh, wrap up, Bernsey, talking about Wisconsin. They rally from a two-touchdown deficit. It was I watched a little bit of that game. You know, The second half, they come out right away, does Wisconsin, take the lead 13-10. I'm thinking, wow, Purdue's in the grinder here. Then the next time I check, Purdue's up two touchdowns. They just out of nowhere scored two quick touchdowns. I think Rondale Moore had a, a really long catch or a really long run. And so I'm thinking, all right, wow, Wisconsin again, bottoming out. Purdue riding the ship after the Gophers beat them here last week. Then I look up at the end of the night and Wisconsin's won 47-44. What the heck happened? And what are, what's up with these Badgers that they're facing next week? Yeah, this is a Badger team. I mentioned it earlier here in the show that I just think they're as average as we've seen. This isn't, you know, a a Wisconsin offense right now that can consistently move the ball. And I know that Badger fans have been calling for Alex Hornibrook's head for his entire career, and I think rightfully so at times considering some of the terrible decisions he's made. But he's been out here the last, you know, three the, at least three of the last four games in the concussion protocol. And he was downgraded out for this Purdue game. Jack Cohn is just a, a, I think calling him a game manager is very kind, especially with the way that Wisconsin uses him. I mean, you look at the Penn State game last week or two weeks ago now, I believe he, his stat line was something like four of eight for, excuse me, he was nine of 20 for 60 yards and two picks. Like, that wow. is terrible. <laughs> and it's just. And with this Wisconsin defense, why they were picked to be, you know, arguably the Big Ten contender coming into the season was this defense, and they've been battling injuries significantly throughout their their secondary. They're playing freshmen all over the place. So I, I just look at this Wisconsin game and think, on paper, I mean, I'm not expecting Minnesota to win more than 35 out of 100 times. But with the way that this Wisconsin team's been playing of late, they were three and three in their last six games. You don't know who's going to be the quarterback, especially if Jack Cohn is going to be the quarterback. I think that this Wisconsin offense is very vulnerable in certain positions. You're obviously going to have to stop Jonathan Taylor, 330 yards, three scores last night. There's a reason he gained all the Heisman hype he did earlier in the season. 
But if this offense can move the ball on this Wisconsin defense, which, again, I know recent sample size and now recency bias will say, well, Minnesota only put up 14 points. Well, again, folks, they had the ball. They moved the ball. They just didn't get it in points, whether it was interceptions, turnover on downs, uh, fumbles. They had four different drives in NU territory yesterday that didn't result in points. And if you don't get points on any of those drives, you don't deserve to win the game. So if Minnesota can just convert any of those into points and you can find a way to get to 28 points in Madison, I think it's going to be a very interesting game next week, especially with where Wisconsin's at injury-wise. But again, Minnesota hasn't beaten Wisconsin since 2003, and Minnesota hasn't won in Madison since I was two years old yeah. in 1994. So it's going to take an effort to get to bowl eligibility. But I th- again, I think it's attainable, especially when you look at where this Wisconsin team is at in comparison to previous years. Have a good Thanksgiving, man. Appreciate all the time, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Sounds good. Thank you. Ryan Burns, GoForIllustrated.com. Follow him at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. Final segment, we've got some emails to the Bradshaw and Bryant inbox that I will discuss, as well as some tweets before we hand it off to the Barrero. This is Gopher Football Sunday on The Fan. You're listening to The Fan. A lot going on on the fan, starting at 9 o'clock with Sunday Sermons, two-hour edition with Barrero, then the Lake Show for an hour. We've got Dallas and Atlanta. Westwood One's coverage of that game at noon. You can uh, listen also on the Plus to Houston at Washington, as well as Denver at the Los Angeles Chargers. Both of those games on the Plus, 96.7. Wild and Blackhawks tonight on Cool 108, because Vikings-Bears coverage starts at 5 o'clock tonight with the Vikings and Bears kickoff right around 7.20. And then at 9.30, if that wasn't enough, the Gopher men's basketball team plays Texas A&M in Vancouver. That is on News Talk AM 11.30 and FM 103.5. So a very full day of sports. A lot of local sports with the Wild, Vikings, and Gopher basketball all on one of our properties at some point today. In our final minute or so, I do want to say one thing offensively. Bernsey and I talked. It was not a great day for the offense. It was a disappointing day for the offense. The defense played well enough yesterday against Northwestern. Uh, saved maybe one drive at the end of the half where they allowed an easy touchdown. The defense played well enough for the Gophers to win that game yesterday. The offense was not there. Too many turnovers, too many missed opportunities, too many trips to Northwestern's territory with no points. One thing that I'm curious if they bring out, if Tanner Morgan is the starter again next week, they maybe ran one option play yesterday, but just the threat of Tanner Morgan running the ball was supposed to be part of the package, so to speak, when he was out there. He's a little bit better runner than Anikstad. He's not the the pure passer or drop-back guy that Anikstad is in the small samples I've seen of both of them. But he can move a little bit. He can get around a little bit. And when he went in there early against Nebraska, that was one of the ways they were able to move the ball was him running. And yesterday, so many times, and I'm sure you saw it if you watched it, so many times he fakes the zone read handoff to Mo Ibrahim or hands it to Mo. And you look and say, man, if he would have just kept it, maybe he gets four yards, maybe he gets five yards, maybe he gets ten yards. Uh, it's something we'll probably ask PJ about this week. I'm doing the uh, the coaches show on Tuesday. We talked about it a lot last year as well. Just keeping it every once in a while to keep defenders honest. Northwestern's defense doesn't need any help in terms of you giving them things to not worry about. They're going to be well-scouted. They're going to be well-schemed. There were a couple of opportunities yesterday where I thought, man, it would be a good opportunity for Morgan to pull that ball. 
and just hang on to it, just to give them something to think about. Because if you don't, why even bother with the with the read, with the fake? Why not just straight hand it off? So there were a lot of problems offensively yesterday. I wouldn't even call that a problem. It's just a, a question I have of why he doesn't keep it a little bit more. Because now you've got two healthy quarterbacks as well. I could see it two, three weeks ago when Annex said wasn't healthy and you needed to make sure that you kept somebody protected and kept somebody healthy. Um, now you allegedly have a backup. You allegedly have two. So the injury threat, uh, for me, is not uh, as big as it once was. So just something to think about. Would have been helpful yesterday if Morgan was able to run the ball a little bit, given that Northwestern's defense was keying in on Ibrahim pretty well. Uh, that does it for Gopher Football Sunday. Thanks to Bernsey. Thanks to the uh, the tweets and the emails. Uh, it'll be on the Gophers On Demand channel uh, shortly here. Barrero coming up with the two-hour Sunday sermons, 9 o'clock. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.